when her and I go, we usually share a quesadilla together. They're pretty big. Yeah. How like how would you say, how big would you? Probably. Oh. Wow. We we never can eat it. Yeah. Eat it all. Yeah. Especially wow. now. My my <laughs> stomach has shrank so much. I I can't eat much. I can, I yeah. I can imagine. Pardon. I said, yeah, I can imagine. I've lost probably over 50 pounds. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you look a little bit thinner. Considerably. <laughs> I'm wearing 36 shorts now. Hey, you're almost down to my size. Uh, started out at 40. Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. Well, I want to welcome my friend David here. Um, I give a, I'll give a little background so you don't have to talk as much, save, save your energy for the good stuff. Um, uh, David and I started hanging out probably what last November, October, November, and, and I'll let you share however much detail you want to as, as far as that goes. But, um, so David and I started hanging out meeting and, uh, God just did a, radical work in his life and we started seeing other guys yeah actually i think it was before last november because i didn't know i had the cancer yeah okay and i got diagnosed oh maybe it was yeah that's yeah. right this may yeah 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 i lose track of time now so, hey that's yeah that's no that's fine um and so we um yeah started meeting and then some guys started showing up we counseled for a while. Yeah. One on one. Like two months? And that's when I, that's when you introduced me to the, um, uh, the identity paper. Yeah. And that was a, that was a huge, huge thing in my life. Being introduced to that. Yeah, that was a game changer for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm going to, Adjust a filter for you. There we go. I might have to break everything on the couch. Yeah. I get these headaches on the left side of my head. And if I go lay down on the right side, it'll go away. Okay. Yeah, you just let me know. Pardon? You just let me know. Okay. Um. So yeah, we started, we, and the guys started showing up after a few months of you and I meeting, um, and then we started a, almost like a impromptu guys small group. Yes. Which has been going fantastic. Um, you decided to step away from that. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. That. I said you decided to step away, but oh. you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, not by choice. Yeah, no, I, that was, it was <laughs> poor joke on my taste <laughs> on my side. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm slow when it comes to jokes. <laughs> That's why everybody jokes me, because I'm slow. <laughs> and I ask them, why do you, why do you do that to me? Because you're fun. <laughs> so... Tell, share as much as you want about your walk and about what you've been going through and what God's been doing in your heart. And I might pause you to ask some some questions, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to share a little bit of your story. Well, I like to start it out with with when I was in the in boot camp in the military. They offered us. On a Sunday, they offered us we can go to church or we can stay back at the barracks, and I I chose to go to church. I grew up as a as a uh, Jehovah's Witness, but 
I believe in what I know now about my walk and who I am in Christ. And back then, that God protected me from that belief structure that the Jehovah's Witness had. Because mm. I remember being in it and something just didn't feel right. I didn't know what it was because I was a young adolescent teenager. But when I got into the military, went to boot camp to church, it was a Baptist service. And that's where I truly believe God introduced himself to me. Okay. Now, that was as far as that went. Served out my my enlistment. And then when I came home, got to Kingsland in 1980, <clears throat> I met a gentleman named Sherman Fickle, and I worked for him. And he started, started um, sharing Christ with me. And I ended up I ended up accepting Christ back then. I think it was probably 1981. But my walk has been so um, full of turmoil. Yeah. Just because, because, let me catch my breath. Because mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't believe I was good enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe that I could do the things I needed to do to be what God thought of me. And of course, I really didn't know that much. I didn't know really what God thought of me. And then fast forward to the men's outing is when uh, Scott told me to, um, I went to him asking for help. And then um, he said he knew the person, the exact person I mm. needed to talk to, and that was you. Mm. And so uh, the next Sunday I sought you out. And I had met you once before when the COVID, or when Cultivate at first started. Um, and it really didn't go anywhere for whatever reason. Um, well, I remember that first time we met, it was, you're right, it was in that, um, we were just beginning our, it was like four years ago, something like that. We were just beginning, beginning our, uh, I think at the time it was Monday night, but our, our gatherings, our ministry gatherings, and... <clears throat> You, we had met, and I remember you meet you meet a lot of people at those things, right? Any kind of ministry gathering, and I remember meeting you and thinking. Basically, you came off as I don't know what this is about. I'm fine, <laughs> and so then, like you were saying, fast forward to about a year ago. Um, anyways, Pastor Scott, um, told me I needed to visit with you. And so we started visiting and probably a week or two sometime during our visit, um, initial visit, you, you turned me on to, um, uh, identity sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, I... Adopted it as the truth sheet, truth paper. <laughs> and it was everything that God, what God thought about us, mm -hmm. what he thinks of us, how he feels about us. And I remember you telling me when you first gave it to me. That if there was any scripture that stood out that I had a problem with to let you know and we'll mm -hmm. walk through it. But I didn't have any problem with this, any of the scriptures. I just saw them all as truth. Mm. Now, one of them that hit me hard was, uh, there is no condemnation. And that was a hard one because the enemy successfully used that against me for a long time in my life. But as I read, and you told me to read those out loud in the morning, 
in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> And just let me point out, this last May, I was diagnosed with melanoma lung cancer. So that's the shortness of the breath, the oxygen, the coughing. Anyways, that paper started changing my life mm -hmm. in very dramatic ways. And I don't think the way I used to think mm -hmm. about myself and who I am to God and Jesus. And I know when I sin, this may sound, I don't know how it'll sound, but it's easy for me to ask forgiveness for my sin mm -hmm. because Jesus Christ died for me. He died for my past sins. He died for my future sins. And he died for the current sins that I commit. Mm -hmm. And as hard as we try to not sin, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just going to happen. But because I know who I am in Christ, I know I have forgiveness mm -hmm. and I can continue to move forward. One of the things I remember observing about you and other people observe too is that when you, prior to walking through and, and learning your identity, learning how God saw you, is you, you came in <clears throat> like slunched slunched over you kind of had this defeated it, yeah defeated is a great word and i remember after several meetings and even people coming to me going man david looks like he's full of life you know you had your you were standing upright you you had a a confidence about you you your smile your stature everything about you was changing not just your heart. People can see it, you know, even, even beyond that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with, you know, so I'm, I'm want to move forward. And actually, you know what? I, I need to rewind because I ask new, new guests questions, and I forgot to ask you those questions. So I'm going to ask you those real quick. I'm going to take a, a, a quick break. Okay, ready? First question for David. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your favorite way to waste time? I probably have all kinds of favorite things to waste time. I know, I know my favorite way that you waste time. It's your uh, your flight simulator. Oh yeah, my flight simulator. I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. No. So I need to get, paint a picture here of David's flight simulator. Like most people, okay, they might have it on a iPad or phone or whatever. No, David has it on his computer, which most people are like, okay, whatever, flight simulator on a computer. No, 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 no. David has a, like, a pilot chair with instrumentation panels and everything. It is fantastic. It's so cool. So that's my favorite way that you waste time. <laughs> I don't know if that's true when for you, you. When you walk into my house, walk into my living room and kitchen... The doors kind of between the living room and kitchen. And what was originally built as a, a place for an earth stove and then turned into a sitting room, that's where my simulator is. And when you look over there, you know exactly what takes place over yep. there. There's no doubt. <laughs> no, no, not I've at all. I've been doing it a long time, over probably over 25 years. That's awesome. That I've been doing it. You fly in line, which I have flown online mm -hmm. with squadrons, mm -hmm. with ser several different uh, organizations that I have flown with online. Do um, um, general aviation, that's just really for leisure. Yeah. And then there's combat aviation, which I mostly participated in that because it takes a lot of skill, a lot of knowledge, mm -hmm. and the simulators. The programs are so advanced now that we have real-world pilots, fighter pilots, that'll tell you they'll fly it, and they'll tell you that the cockpit workload is 95% accurate. Wow. So it's it can get pretty intense. Yeah. And you have, like, switches and dials, yeah. and it's it, you have yeah. everything. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. In conflict, 
what's your first response? Is it flight, fight, or freeze? Fight. Fight, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. not shocking. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember a few times in our in meeting and talking, you would you'd kind of be like, you know what? <laughs> I really want to punch you right now. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. I mean sometimes I have to sometimes I have to think about it for a little bit. Sure. And then and then uh I would initially I may initially disagree with what's going on. But then I think about it and realize, no, you know, they're right. So. Yeah, it was good. It's good. Um, all right, last question, and then we can continue talking. Um, what is your, how do you feel most cared for? Uh, like, if you could pick one of the five love languages to feel cared for, quality time, gifts, words of affirmation, um, you know, physical touch, or um, another one is um, like being served or being supported. I think my most important thing in, in that category is verbal affirmation. Yeah, I give it out a lot. Yeah, um, it's just real important to me because I know how it. I know how it makes me feel, and so I give it out to others. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have to tell them, I know I've already told you this, but I know it's important. And it's how I feel in my heart about you. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably one of the most important things for me that I like to share with people. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Okay, so diving back into some of these questions here, what, um, so as you've walked through like you were saying, your identity, affirming that, what were some other things that you had to choose in walking through freedom, in, in kind of reorganizing your mind and how you had been thinking? Forgiveness. Okay. Forgiveness for myself. Hmm. The emotion I'm experiencing right now is to be able to forgive myself and all kinds of things in my life has probably been the most freeing event in my life. Mm -hmm. Being able to receive God's love and forgiveness for you, toward you? I know he loves me unconditionally. Mm. And it's such an amazing thing to know that and to feel it and then to accept it. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others, uh, we've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Wow. Mm. That kind of snuck up on me. <laughs> Any tissues? I uh, can. I can definitely get you some. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> 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 <
Thank you. Um, every time I cough, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. Just my nose. Uh. Well, I was going to say you're in good company. <laughs> uh, so as you, you know, looking back and I know your story, so I kind of give you some questions along those lines, but prior to this freedom, prior to receiving, accepting maybe is a better term, your identity, accepting who God sees you, how would you respond to people? How would you act toward people, behave toward people? People always would accuse me of being angry. That was a constant in my life. And I would be puzzled by that. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't think I felt angry or I didn't think I was angry. But it was such a norm in my life. Other people could see it and I couldn't. So that was probably one of the biggest things in my life is that I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not that way. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably one of the biggest things in, in forgiveness. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so then how, you know, after then... What were people saying about how you interacted with them? What happened to you? You're different. <laughs> okay. You're happy. You're smiling. You're standing up straight, just like you said yeah. earlier. I had several people uh, here in church say something to me about it. Yeah. And I was kind of dumbfounded by it. Yeah. Because it was just becoming normal to me. And it's crazy how quickly it transpired in me yeah how quick that god did that work in my heart yeah um so you were you had you know you started coughing you know towards late november december you thought it was different things maybe covid maybe well, flu I or thought whatever it was allergies at allergies first. yeah and then we kind of figured it was bronchitis, which I'd never had bronchitis before, and I was treating it that way, and it went away for a while, and then after the first year of this year, it came back, and I was eating cough drops like candy to control the cough, and eventually, the cough drops weren't doing anything, <clears throat> so that's when I... In May, finally went to the doctor. He immediately wanted me to get an x-ray of my lungs. So I went down to Austin to an imaging center, got the x-ray. And that afternoon, I get home. My doctor's trying to get a hold of me. The imaging center left a message for me. They want me to come back and get a CT scan. So I went back Friday. It was a Thursday that I got the x-ray. And so Friday, that, that Friday, um, went and got the CT scan. And I remember the very moment. Or actually, it was third, uh, Friday morning that my doctor called me. I hadn't had the CT scan yet. But I had the x-ray that day before. And my doctor called me that morning, and I remember very vividly, which anybody would, I was standing in my front door looking out, and they told me I had a mass on my left lung. And that moment, that moment, my world just changed, mm -hmm. got turned upside down. So I got the CT scan, and finally... I don't know, probably a month later, uh, met with the pulmonary doctor. 
at Scott and White and then met with the oncologist. And one of the first things he said to me was, I had metastasized melanoma cancer in my left lung and there's no cure for it, but they can manage it. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting treatments for it. And probably by the middle to end of, end of October, I'll know how successful or non-successful those treatments have been. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you say has been a catalyst? Because it, it, it's one of those things and continue to this day. When I see you, when I talk to you, when other people see you, they often share how well you're doing mentally, spiritually. Even even though physically you might be <laughs> hosed. Now, what? Why? Now people, people that have cancer will understand what I'm saying. There's no way that you're not going to have dark moments going through cancer, especially cancer you were told that there's no cure for. But those dark days have been very, very limited. And there's only one reason for that. Because God has been so gracious to pour out his grace upon me and to give me that peace that surpasses all understanding that scripture talks about. And that's been the biggest thing. Spiritually, mentally, I have weathered the storm, for lack of a better term. And that's where I'm at now. And I've accepted the fact that I might die from this. And there's been moments where I've entertained. Just go ahead, God, take me home. Mm -hmm. But I feel like He's going to do a great work in me. And I, and I may be misinterpreting what I'm understanding and what I feel like I'm hearing from him. <clears throat> and that's fine, because the alternative is I get to go be with my little sister who's already up there and go be with Jesus. And I got a ton of questions for him <laughs> when I meet him. And, of course, when I do meet him face-to-face, those questions may be pointless. Sure. So this is how I think about it. So so as uh, I imagine, you know, people listening, whether they're going through cancer, maybe someone's like, you know what? Uh, I don't have any health problems, but this is going on in my life, right? Like whatever it is that we each have mm-hmm. happening, um, how do you, uh, you know, you, you said God's been so gracious towards you. And, and I imagine, and I know in, in my own life, I've said, good for you. That's not happening in my world. But like what, and I, I know, because I know your story, what have you had to cultivate in your own life to be able to receive his grace? I go back to the identity paper. Okay. That's that's just been. I've had some awesome moments through my walk with God, where He has revealed Himself to me more. <clears throat> There's a st- one story I have to share. I went. I had a buddy of mine um, set me up for. Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, Acts. Um, the Mormon, not the not the Mormons. The uh, Methodists have a program. Mm-hmm. It's a weekend program where you have a sponsor. And anyways, the Catholics they have Acts. Okay. And James signed me up for. It. He's a he's a um, with the sheriff's department in um, Fredericksburg, Gillespie County. Anyways, he signed me up for it. I didn't know anything about it. I, I didn't know what it was about or anything. And I remember showing up, and I was the only person that I knew when we showed up. 
And it was kind of reminded me of showing up to boot camp the first night. Okay. Because <clears throat> a lot's going on. Anyways, through the whole weekend, God's really working on my heart. And they have an event, a Saturday event. They call it the Candlelight Vigil. We're out in the field, and I don't know any of this is, that's going on. We're out in the field, and the, the, the guys who are on the team, <laughs> who are on the team, they end up washing our feet. That was a humbling experience in itself. Anyways, and we learned songs during the weekend. Anyway, we're marching back, and we're getting close to the chow hall and all that. And you can see there's a lot of people out in the courtyard. And as we get closer, and we're singing, we get closer, I realize that these are family members that are here. So I always grabbed my heart. It was such a huge event. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I'm walking. We're walking in single file. And I'm thinking, man, I don't have any family here because they don't know where I'm at. Well, what they do is they set things up. The sponsor, James, who was my sponsor, before you go to Axe, they set all this up. There's love letters written by family and friends. In the And the family members are set up to come out there. Next thing, James is walking up beside me. And I'm still thinking, we're entering in. The families are on two sides. I got the horseshoe, just because of the way the, <laughs> the, way the courtyard's shaped. <laughs> We're walking through there, and I get about another third of the way through, and I see people's families, and I'm still thinking, you know, my sponsor's there, James is there, and he says, look over there. This cancer keeps me from being able to cry. He says, look over there, and he had to tell me a couple times, and my three girls, are there. Mm. <sighs> and I broke wrangles, which I wasn't supposed to. It just happened. And I, I grabbed all three of them, and I literally, physically, spiritually felt God's love just radiating out of me towards those three girls. It is one of the most powerful things mm. that I have ever experienced in my life. And it's still something that just just grabbed my heart. Yeah, it was so wonderful, and I'm not sure I've ever experienced anything like that since then. Mm -hmm. But it was just so incredibly powerful. When was that? Oh God, years ago. Yeah. Okay. I think because one of the girls was <coughs> what did it was it Emma that drove y'all? Someone drove y'all there. But I don't think any of the girls were driving yet. <laughs> they were driving. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think. I think Emma and Heather were young teenagers. And Kimberly was still real small. That was such a powerful, powerful moment in my life to go through the axe. And then next year, I got to be on a team okay. at an axe. And that was pretty powerful. And they have several of the guys, they have several of the guys, team guys, give a speech, just a testimony of their life. And I was chosen as one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was powerful. Mm. It sounds like, just as I know your story, and as you, you're talking, you seem to be a guy who is intentional <clears throat> is intentional about putting yourself in positions of community um you know whether years back uh you know with cultivate with church with family with with friends um i know you and i exchange 
texts, you know, and it's, I know at, as someone going through cancer, as someone going through a difficult time in their life, can you speak into how important community is for you and how important it is for everyone? If I didn't have that experience in my life, I would probably wither up and die and give up. Yeah. Give up on life. And let me share something about family. I didn't grow up in a horrible family, but I didn't grow up in a real loving family. I remember when I was young, I kept hearing, you're 18, you're out of here. And it always hurt my heart to hear that as a young child, adolescent, teenager. And I remember as a young teenager telling myself, I'm never going to treat my children that way. I'm never going to say anything like that to my children. And for the most part, I've been very successful that my relationship with my growing up with my siblings and my mom and dad is nothing compared to what I have raised my family and treated my family. My children have always known that my door was open. They've never, never, ever had to worry about a place to, to stay. And a couple of them have taken advantage of that, mm. which was fine, because mm. that's what they grew up knowing, that right. the door was always open. And the relationship that I have with my children, it's... I've had people comment when they see us interact together. And I have the most wonderful relationship with my children, all of them as adults. We've never, yeah, we've had our moments like every family, <laughs> but we've always been able to work through it and come back. And quite honestly, not to, not trying to toot my horn or anything, but I'd be the one if we got cross, even though most of the time I was right, just as a parent, I would seek out the reconciliation and then seek out the forgiveness. And I've, I've, had to, I've had to seek forgiveness for my children multiple times. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you and I worked on when I first started dealing with you, especially my oldest daughter and my son, because I felt so guilty for what, what they experienced. They, they both experienced the worst of me. And I was, I've been able to go to them and seek forgiveness. And I've done it multiple times. I don't have to anymore. But they've always been so gracious. Dad, we forgive you. You need to forgive yourself. Mm. And so the relationship that I have with my children I've just been awesome, mm. so awesome. Even now as, as young adults, well, actually, huh, the youngest is, what, 30 now? So, and it's, huh? 31. 31? <coughs> oh, yeah. Time flies by. <laughs> Don't let it fly. Don't let it get away before you build that awesome relationship that God has meant your relationship to be with your children. Mm. It goes by so quick, mm. so quick. And then the most precious gift that God has given you is your children, other than salvation. You're, you're even more so than your wife. You know, mm. I had to explain my daughter, one of my daughters are here right now because she has to drive me. And I had to share with her like yesterday. It was a tough day for her yesterday with my illness and all that. And she still lives at home. We kind of turned the back part of the house as an apartment, and she lives back there. And she was just feeling the weight of the uh, of the circumstances of me being sick. And she made the comment to me that I want to die before you. Mm. And I had to share with her. I remember, I remember telling my mom that at one time when I was real young. And my mom explained the same thing to me. It's not natural 
for your children to die before you. That's not the circle of life. And I had to explain that to her. Even though she wanted to take my place, that's not how it's supposed to be. And I explained to her, now I've not lost any children, but my mom and dad have lost my youngest sister. So I got kind of an understanding that for adults, for parents, losing a child is harder than losing a spouse. Mm. And, and if your roads are broken, if your bridges are broken with your children, mend them before it's too late. Mm. I can't stress that enough. Mm. And I've been fortunate enough, humble enough to always go before my children and seek forgiveness where I've been wrong. And they've just been so gracious to, to offer that forgiveness. What would you recommend? Because I, I imagine there's people out there like, yeah, I want to. I don't know what to do, though. Open your mouth, step <laughs> out and start talking. Like what? what you're would... the adult. Okay. You're the, you're the person who's had the life's experiences. Yeah. It's as hard as this sounds. I'm sorry. As hard as this sounds, for you to stand there in front of your child and say you don't know what to do or say is a cop-out, in mm. my opinion. Because I've had to deal with those moments. Yeah. And I didn't want, I didn't want my relationship broken with my child. So I guess you need to weigh the importance mm. of the relationship with your child that you'll figure it out and figure <laughs> it out quick. There's, yeah. there's not a magic there's not a magic thing. Yeah. Now, what has helped me through all this, through these years with my children, I became saved at a, at a, before I was married. Okay. I was saved. And I married a woman who was already saved. So we were yoked yeah. in that. And I've been married. Huh? Huh. Oh, man, that's a whole other story. The woman that I'm married to. This will be, see, August 39, 39 years, well, it was 39 years this August, <laughs> this past August. My wife is a very simple country girl, and she loves me. She loves me so much. As frustrated as I get with her, I can't help but love her back. Yeah. She's just been so awesome. And with her and my walk, even though my walk has been volatile sometimes, there's been a lot of high, high moments that help me work through this stuff. So to answer your question about how do I, how do I, try and mend that road, I've always turned back to God. Mm. Always turned back to Him. Mm. And then just ask for wisdom on what to say. Yeah. How to approach this. How to move. How to move. How to move forward. I know I've struggled with having a conversation with God prayer, right? Having a conversation with God, because I feel like sometimes, or I used to feel like sometimes he didn't listen, I didn't get a response, any of that. What have you had to do in your relationship with God to be able to hear his voice, to be able to know that he's listening? One of the things I learned from you In dealing with my prayer life, growing up or growing in my walk, I was always led to believe <laughs> that our prayers had to be reverent. Mm. It had to be this way or that way. They had to start this way and end this way. And what I learned from you <laughs> that, as a matter of fact, the devotional today, the Oswald Chamber, today's devotional, 
just reiterated what I learned from you. <laughs> he says, just sit and talk to God. Mm. Like I'm talking to you. Yeah. And that's been so um, freeing, for lack of a better word, because I could just talk to him mm-hmm. like he's my buddy, mm-hmm. which he is. He's my father. Yeah. He's my, he's my hero. And then I have my savior that I can sit and talk to the same way. Yeah. And I know it's because of my savior that I can just sit and talk to him. And there are moments I've, I'll take time to, to, to humble myself and to be in reverent prayer. Sure. But most of my time, I just talk to him. Yeah. I'll be sitting in my lounge chair just talking to him. <laughs> and the biggest thing that he's done for me through all this, because through, through the cancer, there's always, especially my back, I'm always hurting. Something's always hurting. <laughs> or I'm having coughing, and I mean, it's, it's always something. Yeah. Um, and he just comforts me. That's been the biggest thing that he's done for me through this right now, yeah. is that he's poured out his grace, he's poured out his peace, and he's comforted me. Yeah. And I'm so at peace with whatever direction this adventure goes. Yeah. If he takes me home, or if he heals me, or if I have to live with it for another two or three years and just keep it maintained, whatever it is, yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm at total peace with it. You know, I used to, when I used to think about death, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And now it's just another event. But when I die, this is forever. Mm-hmm. I'll be living forever after that. So it's just my physical body dying and I won't be in any more pain. <sighs> How has God, you know, when you pray, how does God speak to you? Like, what are things that you, what are things that you see as God's voice to you, God speaking to you, God moving in you, however you want to say it? Um, occasionally, I get what I call a verbal voice. Yeah. You know, it's not like I can hear you, but it's, when I first got the cancer, I was at home. I was watching a video a friend sent me. <clears throat> she has a, not the friend, but the video, lady on video, has a healing ministry. <clears throat> I was watching the video, and I felt compelled to get on my knees there in the living room. Mm-hmm. And so I got down, and I started <clears throat> praying. And I, I was praying verbally, out loud. And it was just... God, you just have your will in my life. And it was almost an audible voice. Mm. David, these were the exact words. David, I'm going to heal you. Mm. Now, at the moment, I thought it was going to be a physical healing. And I didn't think about that much, although the, the thought passed through my mind a couple times and I had a former elder friend that I ran to ran into when I was still getting out. I told him that and he said, Well, God can heal you by taking you home too. Mm-hmm. I said, I know that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm of the opinion now, like I shared a few minutes ago, however he wants to deal with it's fine with me. Yeah. Because I won't I won't be in pain. I know there would be sadness in my family because they, my family honors me like the Bible talks about. Mm. A family should honor their father and their husband. They truly honor me. Mm. And they make me, they make me their father. Mm. They make me their dad. And I've had them all tell me that. I have been an influence in their life and their walk. You can't ask for something greater than that. Yeah. And I've had my oldest daughter, she was down a few months ago, and she went out 
she went out and visited some of her friends <laughs> that she grew up with here. She came back and she told me, <laughs> she said, Dad, there's a lot of people in this community that look up to you. I had no clue, mm. no earthly clue. Mm. And I've always been hard on myself in my walk. Always been hard on myself. But I think that's, you always want to be better as a Christian. You want your walk to be an example to people, not a hindrance. And apparently, that's been in my life. But Satan would use that, that tool of condemnation. And that was part of me hammering myself because I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. But since I know who I am now, it's just not, a, it's not an issue in my life anymore. Right. I am who I am, and I strive to be the man that God wants me to be. And when I fall, I get up, dust my knees off, and ask God to forgive me. <sighs> Even sometimes at home, I'll snap at my wife. And I, almost immediately, the Holy Spirit will, David... You know that's not right, and I'll have to ask forgiveness. Yeah. I may not ask it for her. A lot of times I do. Sometimes I just ask under my voice to let God know I know I messed up. Right. How you feeling? Pardon? How you feeling? I'm better than I was a few minutes ago. Okay. Let me say, if you want to take a break, let me know. Okay. We have just another uh, two hours to go, so. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I just wanted to check in. We'll take this up another day. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, Well, I was going to say, is there anything else that you want to say? Anything else that you want to talk about that, uh, I mean, I can keep asking questions, but I just wanted to hear what's been on your heart and mind over the last several months. I think I've shared the most important things in my life that have very deep meaning to me. Yeah. That have touched my heart, that have been, that have had influence in my life. My best friend, Kenny Thompson, um, he's been, he's a Christian, met him when I got out of the Navy, the first year I got out of the Navy. Um, uh, he had just graduated high school, and we hit it off right away. He's a He's one of those entrepreneurs that has to be going a thousand miles an hour with his hair on fire. <clears throat> but he's a people person, and he doesn't see bad in people. Mm. He always looks for the good. And he's been very influential in my adult life. Mm. And um, I just found out he's putting together a, a um, can never remember the name, Benefit for me mm. and it's at it's at Wake Point Kingsland and I know the owner we did work for the owner there and that just that just I was laying in bed a couple nights prior to him calling me and telling me and it's been in the works for a couple months he was keeping it a secret <laughs> and I was laying in bed worrying about money because I haven't I haven't worked since since I got diagnosed with this because it just it just zapped my body. <clears throat> Laying in bed in the Sunday's message, one of the scriptures in uh, Philippians that Scott shared was, "Don't worry about nothing." Mm-hmm. Anyways, that afternoon, Kenny called me, or actually, I called Allison, his wife. And then he was with her, and he, I ended up talking to him, and he tells me about the benefit. And I was worried about money. And God put this all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kept praying, God, I know that you're in charge. I know that you're going to take care of this. I don't see how that you're going to take care of this. But then, and that's, there's actually two events or two, two uh, benefits that are being mm-hmm. put on for me. Hmm. One next month and one in November. Okay. And talk about a blessing and talk about God showing me. See, David, 
Yeah. I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. Just rest in me. Yeah. Just rest in me. And to me, that goes back to, like you were saying, being in community, being having other people in your life, because it's, it's not just the times of being vulnerable and saying, you know, uh, whatever your struggle is, but also when we have those needs in our life that we can't meet, if we've yeah. cultivated a community, if we've been in people's lives, they're going to want to pour back out, yeah. right? And the people that you've poured out, the people that you've helped and ministered to and talked with, like they're wanting to come back and help out. Uh, help you out. <clears throat> um, well, I remember one of the things that you shared with me when we first started, got, started going, getting together was one of the things I had to keep in mind and I had to practice. As God pours into me, I need to pour that out to others. And unfortunately, where I'm at now, it's difficult for me to do Unless you come over to my house, <laughs> then I'll pour it out on you. <laughs> I had one experience um, with, um, uh, what's his name? The maintenance guy, Bill. Yeah. Bill Perry. He came over just out of the blue. Anyways, and this is before I was real wore down <clears throat> from the cancer. He was, he was over there about an hour and I shared with him what was going on and how I felt about things and what I thought. I watched that man melt on my couch. It was amazing, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing that the words I shared with him were so encouraging to him and uplifting to him. And a few months ago, I came here and there was another man, uh, I guess that mows the yard, mows <laughs> the grass here. Uh, Bill brought him to me. And I shared with him, and he was crying when I was sharing with him. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how, how God, when he pours into you, <laughs> when he pours into you, and you send it back out, how it affects other people, how it changes them, <laughs> changes their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even people who seemingly i think have nothing happening in their life there is something that happens when we start pouring out and god god re refills that that area um i off, think yeah i think that's how it was a bill yeah i, I think i think he has a solid walk yeah because i've known him for a long time yeah. and for him to be touched like he was touched and what i shared with him there was something that spoke to him. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I don't know if he was struggling with anything. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't ask. Yeah. I just watched how it affected him. Right. Right. <sighs> um, <clears throat> so what are you doing today, tomorrow, the next day, you, you know, in, in your future looks bleak, if I can use that term? Well, I, I'm just saying, like, every, from everyone else's perspective, your future looks bleak. From your perspective, what are you choosing to do? Well, there's not a lot I can do physically. Okay. I have to stay home. Yep. And I can't be, even though we're going to, one thing I've missed through all this is being in charge, being the congregation. Because there's been, there's been a couple people that have just come up to me and just started praying for me, just out of the blue. Yeah. Um. Mm. Um, we're going to try and come. Helen's going to come for sure. Okay. And we both, we both ended up with COVID after my first treatment, which threw a, threw a wrench in everything. Anyways, we're both over all that. She's 100% recovered from the COVID. I'm 100% recovered from the COVID. I'm just dealing with the cancer. So I'm going to try and make it. It'll just depend on... Mm -hmm. How I feel when I wake up mm -hmm. Sunday morning. And I, I have to stay home. Mm -hmm. I can't be around a lot of people because m my immune system is so compromised. Mm -hmm. So I just stay home and Helen and I hang out together. 
and we watch a lot of movies together. Mm-hmm. I start my morning with there's some commands, some healing commands that I read in the mm-hmm. morning, in the evening time, and then I'm reading Oswald Chambers, and I pray throughout the day, just silently most of the time, mm-hmm. and that's my day. Mm-hmm. When it gets a little bit cooler, when I can sit on the front porch and I'm going to spend some time out there. Yeah. But it's, it's too hot for me right now. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. much my day-to-day walk. And, yeah. And like I said, I can't. I'll get winded taking a shower. Yeah. I have to go lay down after I take a shower. Yeah. So. So you don't want to run the treadmill with me later today? No. We're going home. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to crawl in the back seat of the truck and lay down on the way home. So I'm, I'm getting yeah getting to the point where I'm ready to ready to go. Um, David, will you do this for me? Will you please pray over the people listening, over the people who whatever struggle they may face in their day as they're listening to this? Will you pray over them Absolutely. and pray a blessing over them? Absolutely. <clears throat> oh. Father God, you are just so. You're just so amazing. And you never cease to amaze me. And you show me that all the time. How wonderful and precious you are. And how you're so willing to just give and give and give and give to us. And pour out your grace upon us. And pour out your mercy on us. And I thank you so much for that. I'm so happy that I've got to experience that in my life and you know I I don't know if I didn't have this cancer that would have experienced it to the depth that I have and I would ask and I know you're so willing to pour it on others the the troubles the, the hardships that they're going through that you would pour out your grace upon them and grace It's something we don't earn and we don't deserve. But you're so willing to give it to us and pour it out just over and over and over and over in such great abundance. And I'd ask that you would do that for them, Father. That you would pour out that peace that would pour out from the top of their heads to to the soles of their feet. Just pour out that peace upon them to give them that surpasses all understanding, Father, where they can sit down and just draw, draw on your strength and draw on your mercy and your grace and let them know how much you love them. And I would ask, Father, that you would touch their hearts to come see Nathan and get that, get the, what I call the truth paper and find out who they really are in you. And that as they read it, it would change. It would, it would morph their heart into what you think of them. And that they would grasp that and hang on to it and know that that's who you are, what you think about them, Father. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for your son, Jesus, my king, who shed his blood for us. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us and giving us the way to your Father where he sees us as righteous and pure in his eyes because of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I ask I had your protection on these people that are struggling and give them answers that they need, Father. Give them that touch that they need to know that you're real and you hear them and you love them. Oh, 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 thank you. Thank you, Father. I pray these things in my King's name. Jesus, thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. It has been a, an honor. It's been an honor to have you here, and I've really That's enjoyed it. That's going to sound good on that recording, isn't it?
How long is this going to take you to edit? Um, this uh, should publish. It'll be published next Wednesday. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I'd like to watch it in its raw form and then watch yeah. the edited version. <laughs> I so I don't do editing. I, huh? I I don't do any editing. I do uh straight through. So um it I do have two like commercial breaks if you will, just like two breaks that I do. And if there's any, you know, I'll I'll probably put them if any coughing, anything that you, you know, um I might kind of put them in that, but that's that's it. Otherwise it's Oh, okay. So we're going to see straight through. Most of it. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's it, to me, it's it's been one of those things where I d I want when people listen to our podcast, it to be as if you're sitting down, flubs and coughs and rethinking and you know all of that included because that's what a conversation is. Is you'll say something, I'll say something, I'll be like, wait, actually, let me rephrase that. You know. And, <laughs> Do you want more water? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm, I'm ready to lay down. Okay. But yeah, so it'll be it'll be in all of its glory. <laughs> and I'm ready to yeah. go lay down and get oh, home. Thank and... you. Oh. Can I give you a hug? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to see that. Thank you so much. Love you, brother.